0: It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison.
1: Hey, welcome to episode 38, the Max Strong edition of the podcast. Really, could he possibly have had a better name than that? It dovetails perfectly with my previous episode where I discussed players whose last names fit amazingly well for the sport they played, like Dave Bunker in golf and Homer Bush, a baseball player. Max Strong went undrafted, but despite that, he was a bruising fullback for my Seattle Seahawks for 14 years, from '93 to 2007. He paved the way for 1,000 yard rushers like Ricky Waters, Sean Alexander, and Chris Warren. A two time Pro Bowler, he exemplified toughness and definitely lived up to his moniker, Mac Strong. God, I love that name so much. My next guest today would often rib me about my Seahawks when we worked together in the past. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on, Mike Kelly. He was a former work colleague of mine at TSN, and he's now host for NHL Network. He's worked with NHLPA certified agents and provides statistical analysis for point hockey and sports logics. You may also know him as the stats guy on That's Hockey Tonight. He's all things hockey. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Mike. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Did I miss anything there?
0: Uh, oh, yeah. There's lots of things. Uh, but uh, that, that was pretty good. That was a pretty good intro. You, you kind of summed up all of that for the most part, we can get into whatever you want to for sure. And I think the most important thing is a uh, longtime former work colleague of, of the hound dog that's on my resume, <laughs> pretty close to the top.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I mentioned obviously uh, stats guy and that's hockey tonight. Uh, you know, I love that show. We, we did it for uh, whatever, five years or so. It was great. Uh, what are some of your fave memories of that show and uh, working with Steve coulius? What a beauty.
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's one of them for sure. Um, Cool is uh, a very unique individual. Um, I think that's why he's you know as, as as good as he is at what he does. Uh, he's a host now at NHL uh, Network Radio. But yeah, working with Cool is awesome. A lot of energy with that guy, obviously. And the shows that we would do, um, I, I think we what we got to work usually around for four o'clock
1: ish in the afternoon. Something like that. Yep.
0: Yeah, and the shows we would do would be on at eleven or midnight or you know whenever late games were done and um so it was, it was kind of a night shift and i think yeah i think we did it for four years or i did it for four years anyways um and the, like the like many things i think the people is the best part um working with cool working with you know guys like dave reed and craig button and uh, you know mike johnson whoever it was that was on the shows Um, watching games with these guys was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, the games would start at seven. We'd all sit there with these big TV tree monitors with like six or eight TVs on them and watch all the games and figure out what we want to talk about. Um, you know, working with the crew with Carrie was our great director. Um, and with you and, you know, Kyle Lawson or whoever it is, all these great people. That's what I remember from it. Um, is just, you know, enjoying going to work every night
1: and uh what the thing i remember most uh, or the one of the funniest moment that i encapsulated good word uh steve Koulias was uh years ago it was the nfc title game it was bears packers and of course we were all pumped about that we were all watching that big game and it was a sunday of course and it was like the Islanders-Sabers or something like that, I want to say, in like January, <laughs> obviously. And we're like all tuned into this football game, even though, of course, we're working on this hockey show. And Coolius email, emails all, all of us about, oh, yo, did you see the goal in the Sabers-Islanders game? And we're like, man, it's January. It's Sabers-Islanders. <laughs> Who cares? But uh, he just loves hockey. It's crazy. He, he is a passionate man, and I respect him for that.
0: I do, too. Like, any... I I love talking to and getting to know people who are passionate about anything. I'd rather spend time with someone who's passionate about gardening than someone who works in hockey that just is kind of ho-hums along about hockey. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love seeing people in other industries who are super passionate and successful at what they're doing, how they approach things. Um, I think it's a great, it's a great characteristic. Yeah. Cool. Like, i love hockey as much as almost anybody I'd say i wasn't watching that game that day no, um, no. I, we were all watching the football game but yeah that was uh that was a good one when we used to do this thing called the the Kia cup mm. uh remember I, what was yep. it for like playoffs for predicting the games yep the, the games who would win the games yeah and we'd all get points whatever and uh cool wins it um <laughs> i think the first year and so I was producing the show. I was an associate producer on the show and I was filling in that day for the producer. And so I was producing the show. So the end of the show comes and we're going to present cool with this Kia cup and give him like a minute to talk, whatever, cause we know he's going to go nuts and just, <laughs> it'll be good television. Oh, yeah. And Craig button was on the show. And I remember Craig saying, Oh, I, I lost the cup. Like first he wanted to be in charge of it, of, of what was going to happen. I'm like, Okay. And then he's like, yeah, I lost the cup. And I'm like, okay, that's the last minute of our show. Like I'm producing the show and with a TV show, it has to end at an exact second. Mm -hmm. That's how television works. We can't just like, oh, we lost the cup. Like, let's try to figure it out. Maybe they can start, you know, the next show, the news a minute early. Like it's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm freaking out because I haven't produced a ton of shows either. I'm an associate producer on the show. And Button won't tell me where the damn cup is.
1: I forgot about this. And he's like,
0: yeah. He's like, I lost it. I don't know. Well, we'll figure it out. I don't know. And so what ends up happening is he had this whole plan to surprise Cool with it because he knew it would make for better TV if it was all a big surprise and not something that was in our show lineup that Cool knew about. And he was right. (laughs) He was totally right about that. (laughs) What he was wrong about was not just letting me in on the damn secret.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: As the producer of the show. So... (laughs) I'm getting all worked up and whatever we get there. And so he takes off in the last commercial break and goes and gets the thing and brings it out. We bring it out to cool and cool's all flabbergasted by it. And he does this great, like improvised, minute-long rant about accepting this trophy and it was hilarious it worked out perfectly
1: i think there's a dynasty in kia yeah, here, dynasty. Everybody.
0: Mwah, i love you i love you i love you same thing as i did last year pour it in and drink it up baby on the kia cup chair i love you in kia. i'd like to thank everybody at whitby hockey i'd like to thank my parents oh and my wife and kids as well take a big sip here Mm. why not give some love to Harrison who walked it out? It probably took a year off my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, you know, it was fun stuff like that, that you look back on and uh, have good memories of.
1: Oh man. It was, uh, you know, I I loved working on that that show and no question. Uh, You recently worked uh, inside the bubble in Edmonton for the NHL playoffs. Uh, How was that?
0: It was great. Um, It was cold. Uh, I don't know if it's, we have really a lot of theories out there. So first of all, you're doing the playoffs in August. It's hot outside. Maybe the rink needs to be colder because of that. Think all the body heat that you lose from not having 18,000 people in the rink. Maybe that's True. part of why it was so cold, but yeah, I got there uh, the start of the month um, when the qualifying round started, the start of August. I was there for 36 days, uh, worked 35 of them. Um, so it was very busy the rink was, yeah, freezing. I had to get them to send me a winter jacket. Like, we're in there. My camera guy's got a toque and a winter coat on. Like, you're almost seeing your breath in that place. So, I, I'll, what I'll remember from it was the grind of it, the coldness of the rink. Um, but, man, what a cool, exciting, uh, unique experience. Like, it'll never happen that way again, uh, where you're going and there's three games a day or two games a day. So, it was, it was awesome. Like it was, uh, again, I was ready to come home when, when I finished there. Uh, I got a 15 month old kid at home and hadn't seen him obviously for five weeks. Um, so, uh, an amazing experience. The hockey is awesome. I think the league did such a good job getting the whole thing going and, and running. Um, and, uh, yeah, to be a part of it was, was a blast.
1: Yeah. And anything unique or, or bizarre happened there?
0: Um, well, one cool thing is that you can hear everything, right? Like the, the building there's like, you know, maybe 20 other people, media members watching the games We're all spread out. Uh, and there's no one in the stands. So you can hear all the talk on the ice, which it gives, it gives you a good perspective of just how much communication there is on the ice during play. Guys are talking all the time. Um, but also, you know, at the whistles, like there's some really funny stuff that gets said on the ice. Uh, at, at, on the benches, between the benches, guys yelling at guys on the ice. Like Vegas was by far the most vocal team. They are yapping and screaming. And there was a big hit. The whole bench is yelling. Like it, it's almost like a, like a minor hockey game, the way that they are on the bench. It's just like fun, loving hooting and hollering kind of team. Um, you know, the Canucks series, they start calling Jake for 10 and Pat Maroon um, because they're, you know, thinking that he's fat. So you'd, you'd hear like Britannon skating by the bench and you'd hear guys being like, Oh, good shift, Pat Maroon, you fat, you know, blank. <laughs> um, just funny stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Where, uh, you know, had a, there was a guy that was injured in one of the series and you hear the coach yell, like, get the, get the bleep off the ice. Um, like it's pretty ruthless stuff going on down there. So getting to hear that was something that you normally wouldn't get to, you know, hear. So it was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, obviously, watching the NHL Winter Classics over the years, you definitely see that they uh, they swear pretty much every single word. eh? it's oh uh, yeah, it's uh, like you said, it's definitely ruthless.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that, that part of it was fun. Just uh, there's some like weird, unique kind of wrinkles to the whole thing that uh, just make it different, special. I guess you know, being able to hear everything is one of them. Yeah, it was. You know, it's still. I got back on less than a week ago, so I'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around the whole thing. It's such a whirlwind while you're out there, um, being, you know, doing live hits every day. Uh, I'm the Edmonton guy there for the NHL Network, so basically, you know, hey, what's going on in the bubble today? And you know, all the all the phone calls. Like, you're not you're not talking to the players and the coaches in person, and that makes it harder. Um, you can't pull a guy aside and have a two minute conversation and back and forth. Um, it's all done on zoom calls. So, you know, most days in the morning I'm in my robe in my hotel room in my bed, like on the zoom call. And it's like, after a few days, I'm like, I hope (laughs) they can't see me on this. Like I can see them. (laughs) I'm like, if they can see me, like I'm, I'm looking like a bum here. So, um, which they couldn't see
1: me, which is great. Uh, so you think, yeah.
0: Yeah. But like I was doing a zoom call one day. So you go after the games and there's an area set up in the concourse where you stand in front of a camera and uh they would ask we would get to ask the questions first and then they would go to the people on the zoom calls from uh like remote like if you're doing a dallas stars game there's people that aren't at the rink working for the dallas newspapers or whatever uh from dallas and then they go to those people so we'd always get to ask the first questions. so you go there and i was standing there doing a dallas one one day and the first two guys they bring up are John Klingberg and Tyler Sagan at the, at the podium. So I've known Klinger for a lot of years. I know his agent really well. I've, I've uh, spent some time with John over in Sweden. Um, got to know him. Great guy. Greg. Uh, Tyler Sagan, I've, I've got to know a little bit, um, just kind of here and there. Um, you know, we're, we're not buddies or anything, but you know, if I walk by him on the street, we'd say hi and that's all good. Um, so comfortable with both of those guys. So anyways, uh, I go up there and I'm, you're kind of standing around waiting for them to show up. And then you stand in front of your camera and you ask the question. So I didn't want to just stand in front of the camera the whole time for five minutes. Um, people that can see you, whatever I'm I'm talking to other people up there, long story short, um, they come up and I didn't see that they were up. No one told me our, our, our monitor where we see them wasn't on yet. So I hear this voice basically saying, Mike Kelly, and' Network, no, nobody, nobody. And I'm just like, oh, so I run in front of the camera whenever I get on there. And I guess John and Tyler had been like, yeah, hello, Mike, Like, are you there? What's going on? <laughs> um, and you don't want to make these guys wait, right? So I get up there. I'm like, hey, sorry, guys. Uh, um, sorry to make you wait, whatever. And my tie, you know how it is in, in, with TV people, right? Where you'll tie your tie to get a nice knot, even though you leave like the bottom super long. Mm -hmm. the back part like dan o'toole's notorious right he'd have these big giant knots and his tie actually goes up to like his nipples (laughs) but you never see it because it's under a jacket so who cares so i kind of had that going on but you could see it also sagan starts making fun of me about how my ties tied too short and uh they're making fun of me because i'm late and like the whole thing just was off the rails from the beginning so weird stuff like that that wouldn't happen normally um
1: I love that though. I love the you know when uh, things go a little bit awry that that that's funny. It's uh, you know obviously oh, you want to be sure. professional, but at the same point uh, that's good when they you know, when they control a little bit of personality like that.
0: Yeah, it's all part of just a weird, unique experience for sure. So it was um, yeah, it was cool to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. You you mentioned uh, John Klingberg there, and I said off the top uh, working with uh, certified agents. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, your role in that.
0: Um, yeah. So. You know, as, as I kind of evolved in my career from working with uh, the Hound Dog, again, career highlight, um, to, you know, moving on, I, I worked as a host of the NHL Network for uh, a year and a half, um, started to work with uh, an analytics company that was doing this kind of third-party data collection. I was always big into, into numbers and evaluating the game that way, and, um, and I ended up uh, taking a job at that, that company briefly. And uh, leaving the NHL network, um, and then from there, um, I got connected to the people at Sport Logic, and I saw what they were doing and how they were doing it, and the technology that they were using. Um, and I thought, you know, wow, this this company's, I think, really going somewhere. And um, so I, I joined them full time in around 2016. Um, and that's what we do. We we have uh, you know 30 NHL team clients that we provide data analytics uh, for and we do work with the media as well i, I run the media division here um, tsn as a client sportsnet's a client some u.s uh, companies as well some newspapers so in that um uh, I've, I've worked for five years with this incredible um analytics and the data that we collect uh which is way deeper than you know, the kind of stats you would see nhl.com stuff like that so um, I, I know a lot of agents and I've worked with a lot of agents on, uh, providing support for contract negotiations. You know, what a lot of those come down to are comparables. Um, pick a random player. You know, I was just talking about, you're just talking about John Klingberg. So use him as an example. Who are Klingberg's comparables? If he was coming up for a contract, um, what, you know, what areas of his game are his strengths? Uh, what are some perceived weaknesses? um, A lot of times, you know, uh, an agent will say, hey, my guy's the best or among the best at this thing. And a GM might say, well, we think he's weak in this area. Uh, What does the information that I study say about it? Um, So providing, you know, contract negotiation support uh, for these agents is something that I've done for about four years. Um, And also working with some players in a player development role again, using the, the information, data analytics, pairing it with video, uh, working with guys on their game, how they can improve some, you know, inefficiencies maybe in their game and, uh, you know, become you know, marginally better hockey players, uh, have an understanding, a better understanding of, I guess, what's kind of critical to success, uh, across the league, if you want to score goals or defend better or whatever it might be. So, yeah, that's been a cool part of, of kind of where my career has gone and and doing that work with these people and um, seeing that side of the game as well.
1: What, uh, what's your favorite stat that you uh, come up with? Uh, my favorite one that I always hear from you is slot shots. I don't know why, it just, it just sounds funny to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, look, there's it's a simple way to uh, explain something that's important, which is the quality of the chances that you're generating. Um, you, you can have 50 shots in a game and if they're coming from the point and the corners then it doesn't mean much. Um, if you've got 25 and they're coming from areas that we know most of the goals come from, then that's important. And you can get into more uh, you know, detailed analysis than just the location. You can get into expected goals and our model for that and taking into account the pre-shot movement and the handedness of the shooter and all those things, but what I, what I believe, especially in doing media work with this type of information and trying to make it accessible for average hockey fans as well, is as long as you don't misrepresent the information, then explain it in the simplest way possible. And when you're talking about quality chances and all that, the slot is where 75% of the goals in the league are scored from uh, roughly year over year. Uh, it's an easy way to say, hey, this is this is kind of the, the shot quality of that game. Um, but You know, for me, it's nothing, nothing explains anything. I think a lot of times people want to look at one thing to explain everything. Mm -hmm. Well, why is this team won five games in a row? Oh, well, look, they're getting a lot of slot shots or more than they normally do. Okay. Well, that may be contributing to more goals, but what are they doing defensively? How are they getting those slot shots? There's, there's always way more that goes into any kind of what I would say as detailed or as accurate analysis as possible. But that's the tough balance with the media stuff. Is that the media wants one thing to to showcase? Because you have to explain it simply to the viewer, right? Um, I don't think it's ever really that simple. So those are the kind of things I try to balance. Hmm.
1: Uh, that, that's good. Uh, I want you to play a fortune teller here. So we're uh, full disclosure. We're, we're recording this on a Thursday, and Tampa Bay's up uh, two nothing against the Islanders, and Dallas Vegas is one one. Uh, who do you think uh, is, is going is to be in the Cup final? And who do you think is going to win and why?
0: Well, one thing I like to say, Hound Dog working, especially in analytics is, you know, why tell people what you think when you can tell them what, you know, right. So I don't like to say, Oh, I think, um, yeah, you know, I, I think this team is doing this thing really well. Well, if we can look into it and we can quantify it, um, then you can tell people something that, you know, and, I'll I'll go one better for you. I'll tell you what I know, Hound Dog. i I know that Tampa's going to be there. They're up two nothing. I don't think I'm going out in a limb here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know that Vegas is going to be there because I picked Vegas to win the Cup before the playoffs started. So that's going to be my my team uh, from the West.
1: And the, the, uh, that'd be a fun Cup final too. It's funny because I think it would be. I think a lot of times, like uh, people normally would be, you know, oh God, two you know two places that don't care about hockey. But for some reason, that that really is a fun, really fun Cup final.
0: Well, it like it's yeah, it's it's not a typical traditional, however you want to say it, hockey markets, I guess. But Tampa's got super passionate fans; like mm-hmm. their fan base is great. And Vegas, is Vegas, great. we know what that that place is like. It's nuts in there. Um, so yeah, no, it'd be the hockey would be good, I, and I think those are the two best teams in the league. You don't always get that in a cup final. Um, for me, man, I, I don't know about you, but like I like watching Vegas play. I think they're fast, oh, yeah. exciting. Tampa the same thing they can score they play heavy both teams can do that so I think it'd be awesome good goaltending it'd be uh it'd be a heavyweight tilt for sure
1: and in, in that final uh what are you thinking in uh, Vegas you're gonna st- I'm assuming you're gonna stick with Vegas
0: I'm gonna stick with them but you know I mean if Tampa wins it's not gonna surprise me they're a great team um but yeah I'll stick with Vegas what do you think
1: I, I think so. Uh, uh, it's a little bit strange that they haven't been able to score as much. Uh, Thatcher Demko was just an unbelievable against them; <laughs> nearly uh, eliminated them when they were up three-one. Uh, so that's been a little bit surprising because you know, they, uh, I guess when you're playing Chicago in the uh, in the first round, it's a little bit easier to score, obviously, than uh, better teams. But uh, oh yeah, but uh, so that's a bit of a concern, but because uh, Tampa Bay just seemed like a juggernaut, and that's without Steven Stamkos.
0: That's, that's a good point. Exactly. I don't even have stammer and he's, uh, he's a good goal scorer, as You'll find, but yeah, Demko was nuts. Like he was, I was at those games, obviously being in Edmonton and just watching that guy uh, make some of the saves he made, you know, and, and people tried to overthink it a little bit. Well, you know, Hey Vancouver good defensively or good at clearing rebounds or good at not allowing him to be screened. It's like, no, all those things were happening and he was still keeping the puck out of the net. Um, it was nuts. Yeah, he was. They almost did it, man. There was like five and a half minutes left when Vegas scored that first goal in Game Seven. It was, it was crazy. on with a shot, score! It took only five seconds into the power play. The Vegas Golden Knights strike first,
1: late in Game Seven. And it's funny how, like Vancouver, you yeah, I would say about eight ten years ago, were a much more unlikable team with the Sedines and Burroughs and uh, Kessler. and and, but now this young team they're a great young team they're fun and uh it seems like they're going to be uh one of the uh you know uh juggernauts uh for years to come here eh?
0: i think they overachieved this year um which is fine and as a fan you know who cares right if you're a fan of the canucks you got to watch them go to game seven in the second round it's great um but I, i i don't think they're you know a competing team in the west yet with the big boys yet but uh you know, that's just me. That's my thought. But they're—they've got young, exciting players. They're on a great trajectory, I think, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what do you think about? Like, you live in Toronto. Um, I live in Montreal. Although I was in Edmonton for for the playoffs when they were in it, but. Did Canada embrace the Canucks as like Canada's team? Like what do Leaf fans think about it? I guess because it's not a rivalry or anything with them, right?
1: I think like it used to be certainly, for some reason, Vancouver and Toronto, not not even necessarily uh, for hockey, just for some reason there's some natural rivalry there. For uh, I never, never quite understood that one to begin with. But uh, I, Canada's team, I still think there's some people that were kind of like, ah, Vancouver, we don't like them type thing, right? But no, I think there's no question. It was like, oh, this team is kind of fun. Like they're... Like I said, they're a good young team that's uh, obviously hasn't been there in quite a while. so I'd say like a good amount of uh, fans were, for, were doing that. Now the one thing that would have driven me crazy, uh, thankfully, didn't happen is I never understand how Toronto Maple Leaf fans when they're obviously uh, always eliminated in the first round, or worse, how the if Montreal was the last Canadian team in the, in the playoffs, Leaf fans will cheer for Montreal. Oh, they're they're a Canadian team. No, 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 no. No Habs fan would ever be caught dead cheering for the Leafs to win the uh, the cup. No chance. Oh God,
0: no. But yet, no for
1: some reason, there are so many idiot Leaf fans who cheer for Montreal win the cup, and it drives me crazy. I, I don't understand it.
0: Uh, no, I don't understand that one either. That's a huge rivalry there, uh, for sure. Um, like I, I lived in Ottawa for a long time growing up. Uh, a lot of good friends, big Senators fans. And if the Leafs got in the playoffs, are you kidding me? They would cheer for them to not only lose, but all get injured probably. (laughs) Um, So, you know, for Vancouver, Toronto, I'll give you a bit of perspective because I was born in Vancouver. I lived there twice. Um, I obviously lived in Toronto when I was working with you. I lived there for 12 years. I know both cities really well. Uh, I don't know that Toronto really hates Vancouver, um, because I think Toronto just thinks it's the center of the universe anyways, and everything else is kind of beneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Vancouver definitely dislikes Toronto because, yeah, yeah. um, I think a lot of places dislike Toronto because Toronto's kind of that hot shot. We're number one and everything else pales in comparison place where in Vancouver, there's such a lifestyle difference that, you know, Vancouver to me is one of the most beautiful, incredible cities on the planet um the skiing the um uh, everything you can do in nice weather uh which is you know most of the year it rains sure but i think there's such a lifestyle difference that people in vancouver are like are you kidding me like why would i want to live in some big high-rise condo and you know deal with all that crap and the traffic and all that people in toronto it's hard to imagine living in a city not as busy with so much to do so i, I just think they're totally different head spaces and that's why the two probably don't care much for each other
1: yeah very true Or well, thank you so much uh, mike it's been a lot, a lot of fun and uh, good catching up and uh, we'll talk to you soon
0: anytime if uh time goes by and you for some reason can't get a better guest than me I'm happy <laughs> to do it again someday so <laughs> no, all
1: absolutely. good man and keep up keep
0: up the good work uh, you're doing at tsn it's awesome
1: thanks my friend and uh, yeah you're, you're contractually obligated to come back on the podcast so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> sounds good man take care That was tons of fun talking to Mike Kelly and going back down memory lane discussing the show we worked on, That's Hockey Tonight. I'm not kidding about Steve Koulias. He was an absolute legend and nobody knows hockey more than him, that is for sure. I love Mike's story about Tyler Sagan giving him the gears over his tie and the R-rated talk amongst the players and the benches at the games in the Edmonton bubble. It must have been wild. Hockey players, whew, they they are (laughs) relentless with their chirps. You can uh, follow Mike on Twitter, at MikeKellyNHL, and the Twitter accounts for the statistical analysis. Hard word to say sometimes. Statistical. are at The Point Hockey and at sport Logics. That's sport, L-O-G-I-Q. Thank you so much for listening to episode 38 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang. Bang. Bang.
0: Bang.